In this podcast, I want to give you a basic understanding of the innate model. This is a place where those who suspect they're innately wise, brilliant and powerful come to learn how to transform their lives. One cognition, one realization and one blinding flash of the obvious at a time. We are the innovators, the record breakers, the world makers and creators of all kinds. We supersede the suppressive worldview of mass ignorance and awaken the strength within. We are waking up to our innate secrets. My name is Dr. Mark Postles and welcome to the Innate Secrets Podcast. So it could be said that we come into this life as a blank slate, but that's not obviously true. We have a whole package of information that's uh, encoded within us, within our DNA, from our heritage, from our history, from the journey of whatever has gone before us that has been recorded and, um, and, and, cert- and lodged. So what, what we have then is certain predispositions and certain memories that may even play out when, when currently stimulated. So the environment that we're in has a huge part to play in the way that we form, the way that we develop as a, a child, as a, um, through into teenagehood and through into the adult that we uh, will ultimately become. So how does that work? What is the structure of that? And um, if the brain is, is a, a storage mechanism or a mechanism for recording information, then what are the structures of the brain that allow for certain information to be stored in certain areas um, and others in other areas? So let's just dive into that one at a, at a level that's understandable uh, for the average person. I mean, it's not heavy duty science here. This is um, a, a gross anatomy, a, a, an understanding of how we work. So our brain is uh, divided into two, a left and a right side. And the left side tends to register logical thinking. It tends to register straight line thinking, linear thinking. Um, It's exclusive. It likes to eliminate possibilities and uh, get down to something that's finite and organized and structured. And it likes to have control and dominate. So the left side of the brain is is an area that will look at something and eliminate all the fluff and look for the meat and potatoes of it to get things done. While the right side of the brain, by contrast then, is a creative side. That likes to express, it It looks towards the future, whereas the left side tends to look towards the past for its reference. Um, the right side of the brain is spatially oriented. So it sees things as patterns and, and interrelated and, and is quite okay with things to be conflicting in terms of their meaning. Uh, inclusivity is part of the right brain. So instead of being exclusive, it likes to include everybody, likes to have everyone enrolled and include all thoughts. And at the same time, being supportive. So if it sees hardship or pain or suffering, it wants to be able to um, ease the the suffering and to support the person or the situation that's, uh, that's involved there. So then if we go to the back part of the brain, we have another area that is very distinct. The back part of the brain looks at all the details. It's, it's the older part of the brain. It's very concerned with, uh, with survival. So it's making sure that uh, the details of everything around it aren't at risk, aren't putting the person at risk. 
um, it's instinctual. So it relies on its old patterns of uh, instinct. If it hears a certain sound, that could represent something because it represents this, that thing um, many, many years ago. Um, it, it is kinesthetic. It relies on its body and the body feelings. So when we look at the front part of the brain, then we have the, what's called the neocortex. It's a new part of the brain. It's a big picture orientation. It's, it's intuitive. It, it tunes in to the information that's surrounding us. As we've mentioned before, it's the, uh, the, the universal mind uh, and the frontal um, area of the brain tends to, to track on that. It's visual. It's, it's trusting. It, it, it looks for opportunities. It's willing to take risks. It sees, say, the big picture and, and everything, the big overview context. So here we have then four parts of the brain, and that gives us four quadrants. It's the front, the back, the left, and the right. So what I, what I noticed within uh, studying many, many different styles of uh, personality profiling over many, many years, way back 2,000 years ago, um, is that there is a, a commonality here in that the um, the right frontal part of the brain is is an area that we we've called in a, a quadrant one. Now the reason I've, I've called them one, two, three, and four is that I didn't want to have this like so many personality profiles are used as a labeling system. You know, there there tends to be an archetype, and that gets labeled onto a person, and you're this, you're that and you can't change because that's who you are. And that's not, so, that's not true at all. The, the brain is very plastic. It's very able to shift and change. And so we want to be in a position where we can allow for people to shift and, and change as they, as they do, given the opportunity and the right environment um, throughout their lifetime. So this is a, a very proactive uh, format in terms of looking at uh, the characters that certain people present with. So this quadrant one, this right frontal part of the brain, um, is related to that big picture. And I'm going to go through these individually with individual podcasts. So I just want to give you an overview of this right now. But the right frontal brain is that is a big picture. The left back part of the brain is where the information then goes to. That That is the quadrant two. And that is the organized structured part of the brain that, that likes to have things all in, in order and make sure that things are correct. The right, front, uh, right back part of the brain then is where the information goes to from, from there, and that's the quadrant three. And that's what likes to organize in groups and, and sort things out, make sure, make sure that they're practical, make sure that they work properly and work together to create something. Then the information goes through into the left frontal part of the brain, which is the quadrant four. Quadrant four then looks at opportunities for this to be pulled apart and put together in a different way likes to reinvent things, likes to have a different slant on things, uh, a pattern interrupts. And so it, it likes to make sure that there is a, a regeneration taking place. So then the information can be picked, uh, kicked back across to the right frontal part of the brain. And that's where it gets asked the question, why and why not? And looks at the bigger picture and how, how else can we can make this happen and make it even bigger and better? So, and then it kicks it through to the quadrant two. You got the idea? So, so it goes from one to two to three to four and back to one again. And therein we have the shape of the number eight. And that's where the, the play on words came from with innate, because it's the eight within, but it's also the innate wisdom within, the innate life force within. So this is the, the structure of the innate model. 
It's a, a continuous mechanism. It goes from one to three, two to three to four and back to one again, which is infinite. And of course, the eight is the infinity sign as well. So, you know, the, the more we go through these actions, the, uh, the more light we have, the lighter we are. If we get blocked down in one area or another, uh, we no, don't move information as well. So we want to make sure within Innate Secrets that little information busters or block busters are, are, are given to you so you can then make new decisions about what you're going to do with a certain stuck behavior or a certain stuck way of thinking that is not useful. And that's not to say it's not useful in all situations. And that's your call is to, is this useful um, in the situation I'm in or generally? So um, there's, there's a number of questions you're going to have that come up relative to each of these quadrants. I'm going to go through them specifically um, one podcast at a time to go much deeper into the, into the nature of the quadrants. The other question that comes up here is, how do these quadrants develop in the first place? If we've all got the same brain, then how is it that we um, have these variances in the way we use it? Well, my observation of it is, is this, is that when in this lifetime, and given that we've, we've got a, a, our package of information that's already been preloaded, uh, we still experience life on a minute by minute, second by second basis, uh, and we are 24-7 recording video, audio, and feelings of everything that goes on. When there is something that is a threat to us, it's considered to be a void, something to, to be avoided, something to be, get away from, it's a gap. And we tend to create, if this, this um, continues even more than a few times, we tend to create a value around getting away from that. So uh, we, we may perceive, and it's all perception, we may perceive that um, we're, we're not getting enough food. And so food then becomes a value. You know, if, if there is a lack, we want to make up for that lack. So food could become a value. And the value of food then will start certain firing of certain neurons in certain areas of the brain. And if that continues, then neurons that keep firing together will just wire together and then become more, much more automatic. It's like uh, sheep walking around the hillside. Um, they follow each other and over a period of time, the, they wear a track on the hillside and the track becomes a groove and the groove can actually become quite a, a trench as they all walk line one, one after the other. So there's not much chance of a, of a sheep in that particular situation from um, deviating or going into, into another uh, area of the hill because they're so entrapped in their, in, their, in their pathway. So, you know, we can have nerve pathways that are like that, so deeply entrenched that it's very difficult for us to make any, any shifts at all. However, when, when we do start making shifts, we get look at opportunities where we can jump out of that, that trench, out of that pathway, and start to forge new pathways that might be more useful. So the, the repetition then of a certain uh, thought and feeling and action becomes uh, a bigger thought, feeling and action. And the recognition of this is that it will then start to fire certain parts of the brain much more uh, strongly than others. So say, for example, there's a void of, uh, this house is always messy, 
and therefore, you know, my parents are just really, really messy, and therefore I'm going to make sure that I'm really, really um, organised and structured and clean, and, and my room is always cleared out, and, and everything's where it's supposed to be. That starts to develop a, a pathway in the quadrant two part, and over a period of time that could become the identity. Oh yeah, this this kid is really, really clean and tidy, we're all a bunch of pigs, you know, we're all messy. And so that, that tends to allow that child or that person to grow up with a very high value around things being organised and controlled and neat and tidy, and that's a quadrant two part. So that's how that develops. The more you do it, the more you do it. So the, uh, the, the uh, objective here is to firstly become cognizant of what we're doing. So become aware. And noticing fixes more than fixing. We'll go into that in a little bit more detail later, but just being aware of something then allows us the opportunity to bring about shift. Uh, and it's not that we're going to change something, it's just going to allow ourselves to do different things and think in a different way and allow for different patterns to emerge. So um, it's an exciting process, it's a dynamic process, and it's based on these four quadrants, quadrants one, two, three, and four, in the relationship between the front brain and the back brain, the left brain and the right brain, and how it flows between them. So we'll be we'll be referencing this for, from so many different perspectives uh, in the podcast ahead. So I just want you to get a, a heads up around how this thing forms, what's what our uh, brain preferences are, how they're lodged within the within the different quadrants, and we'll be referring to these time and time again. So um, until soon, Mark Postles, enjoy your quadrants. Notice your quadrants, notice your preferences, notice your behaviours, notice your habits, notice your identity, and we'll talk to you again on the next podcast. Let us show you how to fire your brain in ways that serve you so that you can be confident, connected, and bring joy and passion into what you do every day. Get a free copy of my book, The Innate Model. Go to theinnatemodel.com forward slash free book.